0: Welcome to the Catholic Reading Challenge. I'm Mike.
1: And I'm Jess.
0: And the only thing we like better than reading is talking about what we are reading with friends. In 2019, we are reading through a new category each month. So listen in and read along. And remember, as Mortimer J. Adler said, in the case of good books, the point is not to see how many of them you can get through, but rather how many can get through. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the month of August, which is, I think, my least favorite month on the calendar. Really? Yeah. I don't like August. Why? It's way too hot.
1: Well, that's true.
0: And there's but, something about it. I don't I don't know what it is.
1: Are you dreading going back to school no, as I, a teacher?
0: No, I like going back to school. That part of August I really, really like. I love September and October, like late September and October and early November. I think that's my favorite time of year. And maybe getting through August to me always seems to be the most humid of the months in Maryland. And the the places that I've lived for the majority of my life have either been in like the mid-Atlantic, Maryland, Virginia, where it's very humid. Or Arizona in August where my dad told me they just broke a record for for days in a row over 110 degrees. But it's a dry heat.
1: Well, maybe it's... Maybe it's just the fact that it's the end of summer and fall is close, and you're just really excited about fall. fall. So you kind of want, you're kind of ready yeah, for summer to be over. Which
0: is weird because I used to be like a full summer guy. Yeah, I was summer guy, and now I have turned into fall guy, which was a great show in the 1980s about a stuntman who uh, I think it was Lee Majors. Fall. Wow, guy. Wow, what an Check
1: esoteric it reference. That, it's there.
0: a that I don't mean to take it there, but man, I just I went back to Fall Guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, have become fall guy. I like cardigans.
1: Cardigans I wear a lot of cardigans.
0: I, um, I like coffee. I like corduroy. I like the weather. I like the the crispness. I like how it gets dark a little bit earlier.
1: Yeah. You are firmly placed in the fall guy. I I love fall.
0: And I know this might sound sacrilegious, but second to Christmas, Uh Halloween is my favorite holiday.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I,
0: and the reason I love it is because my kids absolutely love it, and it's super fun to see them get excited. I also love well, it. Well, you do have
1: All Saints Day the next day. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, All Souls Day is cool too.
1: Oh yeah, which is the day after.
0: What is Halloween then? All so there's no Catholic
1: Hallows Eve.
0: Okay, I didn't know what that what that was. I thought it was like a Catholic. I see what I was. Oh well, yeah, up I was, mean I it's like All the Souls eve day, of All
1: Saints Day, so there. I mean.
0: Okay, but All Souls Day is what day? The second. And All Saints Day is what?
1: The first of November.
0: Oh, so October thirty first is All Saints Day Eve. eve well, day. that's why it's awesome.
1: That's why it's awesome because Christmas yeah.
0: Eve is better than Christmas.
1: That's true, right? And, right. And the all anticipation Saints Day,
0: Eve is yeah. better than there. You go. I knew. I knew intuitively you knew there better. was a
1: Catholic reason for your love thought, of Halloween.
0: But no, I like it because it's one of the few times that we talk to all our neighbors. The weather's great.
1: Yeah, that is. Kids cool. getting
0: dressed up. I just like it. People are outside.
1: It's just fun, fun, fun.
0: And we're in a culture now where, like, you come home, you go in your garage. Yeah. So I, I like that about about Halloween. But, anyways, um, it, this the the topic this month or the genre this month. I'm so excited. I know you're excited? I was when you brought it up with me after we did our last podcast. I don't want to say I was I didn't know how I felt about it. It's it's a book of poetry.
1: A book of poetry.
0: And when she said that I'm like, "Man, I don't I don't really know. This might be out of all the the genres that we've read, the one that I am the least equipped to to interact with." But then it's funny. After just kind of a cursory investigation, Of my history of reading poetry. Yeah. Again, I really have to hand it to DeMatha Catholic High School's literature department. I really do. There you go. Because it's funny when you look back on your education, and there's some things that the institution that I went to I think was especially good at. Uh Uh-huh. And one of those was the way that they taught books.
1: Well, that's awesome.
0: And one of the specific things that I think was a theme, even even as working in the English department is a love for poetry mm. um, that came from the top down. And, and some of our best teachers even now are still people who really think it's important to teach young men poetry. And, so, and we'll get to that. But I actually had more of a, a history of it than I thought.
1: So what are who are some poets that you read in high school that stuck with you, maybe?
0: So when I think of the poets that we read, read in high school, I go to my senior British literature class. Okay. The best teacher that I've ever had, on any level of education, was Dr. Buck Offit, who taught at Damatha, I want to say, almost 50 years. He, yeah, I
1: think so.
0: Yeah, Buck Buck was um, like Babe Ruth. He was a mythic figure. I remember when Buck died, and I went to his funeral, and then I went to his wake as well. And they, they had his wake in the DeMatha uh, gym, the auditorium. And the line to, to view, this, to greet his family and to yeah. see Buck... Went all the way down to Route 1 on Madison Street. Wow. And it was so crazy. I I didn't believe Buck was dead until I saw him. Yeah. And and I don't mean to make this about something morose. It's not. But um, Buck was this – he was Babe Ruth, right? He was Paul Bunyan. He had this type of aura about him. And it's funny. I remember when I walked by, he had his copy of Hamlet. Oh, wow. In his – pocket and he had his cigar in his pocket and buck taught us hamlet the the first poem i remember buck teaching us and i can't think of the i know dan mcmahon or somebody's going to listen to this It might be tennyson is ode to a grecian urn and before we read hamlet i'm going to look it up while i'm talking to you
1: okay.
0: guys ode, i can't i can't I, confirm it might be or tennyson that.
1: it's that sounds right but
0: yeah ode to a grecian urn is by keats, keats excuse me okay i apologize it's keats I'm and sure it, there are
1: people listening who are highly offended right now. Just kidding. Well, that, <laughs> <Valley> that's, <up. laughs> that's
0: the story of my life. That's what I do. I specialize in that. Um, so Ode to a Erd and, and the reason it really stands out to me is it was the first time I learned how to read. I wow. Mean, because we had to go through every line. Yeah. And the first thing he would do is we, he didn't teach it to us. We had to go, He goes, read it. Yeah. And you came the next day and he goes, tell me what it's about. And he would bust you up. You would go through it, and you would say like some throwaway comment, and he would hold you to the fire. Yeah, and you learn how to read. So I learned how to read through poetry.
1: That's awesome.
0: And I didn't realize that until you talked about, you know, this was this was the genre that you picked for this month. So I'm actually incredibly excited.
1: I'm very excited. Let me tell you why. A couple of reasons Mm -hmm. why I think poetry is so important. There are a couple of things that I have a weakness for if I go shopping um, that we might have too many of in the South. Well, I don't think we have too many of It's baskets and poetry books.
0: (laughs) Baskets. Yeah. And poetry books. Those I, two things go together like...
1: Oh, no. They have not necessarily... Peanut butter and jelly. Well, well the only thing we have to do with each other is a basket of poetry books, which well, I've yeah, been to Well, yeah. Baskets can hold
0: things. Yes. And, and things I, can be books.
1: Baskets of books. And
0: books can be books of poetry.
1: And we have lots of baskets of books around this house. So they they actually do You go do get a again.
0: lot of baskets. I It love shows them. you how clueless I am, because I didn't really realize that.
1: Now he's like... He's that. scanning I'm looking the around room. the room.
0: <laughs> Someone has like a basket addiction.
1: But it's like you can't have too many poetry books. And here's the or thing- Or too
0: many baskets.
1: Or, to, or too many baskets for that matter. But here's the thing, poetry is its own language and we can say things and very wonderful poets can say things in in through verse that cannot be expressed through our normal vernacular.
0: Yes. It is
1: its own language. And so for that reason, among many others, it is vitally important in, quite frankly, I think, our daily lives. Now, this is not something that is normal in culture today, right? I mean, goodness. Unfortunately, it's not. Unfortunately not. People used to. It used to be quite normal in society to, for people to socialize by reading poetry aloud in actually frequently you know, this was not like an unusual occurrence, um, but definitely in families or and personally, it, it just it was a more common thing to recite poetry. When I say recite, that doesn't mean you have it necessarily word for word memorized, but the beautiful reading of it out loud, which is what recitation is.
0: So again, I, I don't want to bring this back to my experience teaching English. No, math, please but, do. Um, one thing we do every year is we have a poetry. We call it a poetry slam to make it cooler. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do is we give them the option of, these are really big time poems yeah. by, by poets. And they memorize it. Awesome. And then they recite it. They uh-huh. have to do this. Every student has to do it for the DeMathaway. They have to recite a poem.
1: Everyone who's in the DeMathaway so class. So every
0: freshman does this. Oh, okay. Every freshman oh. will memorize a poem and then say it in front of about 50 people.
1: They get to select the poem.
0: They, there is. There's about eight or nine poems they can select.
1: Um, oh, they have their. Oh, that's good. Okay,
0: and they're really, really good.
1: And yeah, great there's, ones.
0: There's Langston Hughes in there, and then there's guys like um, uh, Tennyson and Whitman, and you know, all over the right. place when it comes to it. And they have to say these poems, and it's one of my favorite things. And we, 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 judge the the one who wins, who is the best person who did it, and I. It's funny because to me, poetry. How do I say this? So when you go to a Mass, you go to the Catholic Mass, and there's different approaches to the Mass. There's this utilitarian approach where we do this on Sundays, yes. you just kind of have to get this done. The priest is going through the motions, and he says things. Yeah. Well, there's also Masses you go to where the focus of the Mass is not utilitarian. It's to, to bring you towards the infinite and the transcendent. And so the priest would be more likely in that scenario to sing the Mass, mm. to sing the Mass. And it, and there's a spiritual component to it when he when when the priest sings the mass, there's a poetic component to it, and I, I don't mean to get out there, but I sometimes ponder because you think about when you read scripture and you when you think about the nature of God, um, is the real natural language that we all speak, is yeah. it going to be poetic and musical? And 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 in our culture, we, we focus so much on efficiency because things are such such a connection the commerce, yeah. Um, but the the beautiful. Uselessness. I hope you guys understand what I mean when I say that.
1: Non-utilitarian.
0: Yeah, a poetry. It it's words for the sake of of words and mm-hmm. communicating things that cannot be communicated in any other
1: in any other, other way. way. Yeah. The
0: only way that we can talk about God is through analogy. That's it. Yeah. So we're forced to talk about God through the through the poetic and through the symbolic. And if you think about life in general, we're forced to talk about a lot of things. Um, in, in that manner and um, well
1: that's why poetry is so powerful because it's the most it might be just the most beautiful way we could talk about something mm-hmm. any subject right
0: now if you think about it i mean music is, is a form of, of poetry yes. music, or can yeah. be yeah um i the the using words in that manner to, to paint a picture, to communicate something. And actually, when I was going through the different books that I've been exposed to when it comes to poetry, there's a lot of variance within the world of, of poetry, too.
1: Oh, goodness. Yeah.
0: It, okay, uh, the Divine Comedy. Yeah. That's poetry. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Because when I was thinking about the genre in the beginning, I thought like a book of, of poems, right? Like
1: verse, right? Any verse. Yeah. and. and- There actually are many poems like that that are like basically the length of books, right? Mm -hmm. Long poems. Well, think of the most
0: formational, the two most formational, arguably the most formational books of Western culture: the Iliad and the Odyssey. Mm -hmm. Those are both they're poems, right? The verse, Um, written in verse. A lot of the Old Testament is is poetic in nature and and allegorical in nature. And you think of Psalms. You think of those are those are poems or or songs. so you, you have books of, like, collections of, of shorter poems. Yeah. But then um, you have, like I said, the Divine Comedy, uh, the, the the Iliad and the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. One book that I almost read, I've read before and I absolutely loved it. Um, I, you I mean you to, almost
1: picked for this month?
0: I, 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 yeah, I almost picked for it. I, I've read it before, though, mm-hmm. is, um, is I want to say his name right, is uh, Seamus he, he, Heaney, his, his version of Beowulf. Oh. which is Beowulf's a Poem, and he, he yes. translated that, and it's beautiful. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. So, like you said, a poem can be really long. It can be this like epic thing, or it can be short. It can, it can be haiku. It can be something that's short. So there's a lot of variety within the world of poetry itself.
1: Well, and that's almost like when you mentioned translation, the idea of translating a poem from another language. Of course, there are many different ideas about how you do this? Should you do this? Should you change it to prose instead? Because you're not gonna have the same meaning, right? You gotta change the meter and the rhyme because not yeah. the, the same words not gonna rhyme in the different language, right? With the, the word that it rhymes with in the in the language it was written in. But um, that, but regardless of how you t- tackle translating it, that's quite an epic job in and of itself, like to translate someone else's poetry into another language.
0: Yeah, that's a big responsibility. And and there's a there's a gift. Yes. to be able to do that and a skill to be able to do that. Well, I'm pretty excited. Do you mind if I go through a couple of the uh,
1: Please share and then I have a little stack to share. It's so funny
0: well. because I again, this is the genre when we first mentioned it really intimidated me and I probably have Way more suggestions than I did with any other.
1: Awesome. Okay, what are they? Okay, so and let me just throw this out there: all of you listening, don't be feverishly writing these down. We will throw these. Yeah, it'll all
0: be in the show notes. notes. Um, So one I picked up, I'm a big, I'm a big Dante fan. Um, Wait, I don't. There's aspects of poetry in this, and this is a Vita Nuova, which is is with some poems that Dante wrote. It's a 31 poems. it's a work of love, and they're all about love. And it's a way to kind of be exposed to Dante if you didn't want to jump into.
1: Did that have to do with the, the character common. Beatrice? I, I think
0: it did. Okay. I, actually, um, okay, Vita is the first of Dante's major writings and a supreme work of love. 31 poems are linked by lyrical prose and narrative celebrating and debating the subject of love. In the opening chapter, Dante sets himself the task of giving meaning to poetry, which he composed at the events which took place after his meeting of Beatrice. Okay. Mm hmm. And the Lord of Love, the new life which this meeting inspired, is the subject of Dante's most profound creation, which has been read variously as biography, religious allegory, and a meditation on poetry itself. So, if you're familiar with the Divine Comedy, which, mm-hmm. if you if you haven't read that, stop what you're doing <laughs> yeah. um, and do it right now because it's 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 very important, I think, to read that book. Since um, you're
1: saying that. Do yeah. you think someone should um, pick a certain?
0: Um, yeah, okay. When it comes to translation, translator. so right here, uh, Vita Nuva um, is this is translated. This version is by Mark Musa. He's great. Yeah, he's really really good. Yeah, so I, I would recommend Musa. Now, personally, though, there's yeah. uh, there's debate on this. Um, If you want someone who I think is going to have more of a a kind of a theological Catholic understanding of Dante's work, is Uh Anthony Esselin. Yeah, and Anthony Esselin's translations are fantastic as well. I don't think you can go wrong with Musa Mm -hmm. or or Esselin.
1: And uh, now Dorothy Sayers did some um, did translated Dante as well, and I haven't read her versions, Mm -hmm. but they are. I mean, she's known for it, so
0: yeah, I've read a few different um, translations. The initial one that I read was Musa. Then yeah. I took a class, too. and I, I'm trying to pronounce this person's name. This is Kiardi. Um, and I read Kiardi's translation, and then I also read Esalen's translation. Who's um,
1: your, so is Esalen your preferred of all of them, Perfect. I think if
0: I went in order, I would put Musa and Esalen. Like You like both. I don't know if one's better than the other. I, Esalen's notes at the you liked are notes. just unbelievable. Yeah. So if you want someone, his commentary at the end yeah. of the chapter... And I think Esalen is okay with it being a, a little bit more um, devotional, and, and much more kind of applicable. A lot of people when they when they do Dante, they focus on different things: the political um, climate, sure. Uh, sure. the religious climate. But I think that Esalen really focuses on like on the existential and this idea of, of the journey of the human person. So th- that's one uh, recommendation. Options
1: for Dante. What else?
0: So another one is I think it's important too like these poems it's funny and I'm gonna, I maybe be taking a different perspective than someone else is to, to read the Iliad or the Odyssey. Yeah. Um in Lattimore, I remember reading his translation a long time ago and again if if I'm if I'm incorrect and I don't I don't I'm not an expert on on the translation Well,
1: translator books. I mean there's also different divergent opinions and some people will actually get into <laughs> heated debates about
0: yeah. you know so I, I think yeah, you probably. can go that route. I mean, if you go on Amazon, I hate to say this, and you put in the in the Odyssey, you'll you'll see certain ones that get higher ranks and hits than others. Google yeah. the person's name, yeah. check them out, do a little research, on at the, the translator. Reviews. Yeah, so that that can make a big difference. But those are are incredibly important as well
1: I we have a couple that I just picked up at the last book sale I and two we have Billy Nod see over there some really pretty editions I think I think it was Fitzgerald um friend I think friend of um, Flannery O'Connor who translated those I could be mistaken so which is why I picked them up
0: in a very different direction now this this is a has a personal impact on me Billy Collins was the poet laureate. The American Poet Laureate. I want to say in the late '90s, early 2000s. Okay. Um, and I knew nothing about Billy Collins. And doc- I know
1: nothing about him. And
0: Doctor McMahon, who um, is my boss, but he's also a mentor and a friend. He always he's one my cousin's like this too. Doctor McMahon and my cousin are like this. They have the right book at the right moment. That's awesome. And he said, Mike, you really should read um, "Picnic Lightning." Lightning, excuse me, "Picnic Lightning."
1: Picnic Lightning by I Billy love.
0: Collins. And I read it. And he's a modern American poet. Um, and, again, this is more of like a, a collection of poems. This is not, mm-hmm. this is not the Divine Comedy of the Odyssey. But what Billy Collins has the ability to do is to take the, the mundane and the normal and show this richness and beauty
1: in it. Oh, that's awesome. They're
0: great. They're great. They're great. They're good for the soul. So I, I really recommend that.
1: Oh, good recommendation.
0: I super-duper recommend Seamus Heaney's Beowulf. Okay. It's, it's absolutely – I want to read it again. Like, even as I'm talking about it now – Part of me wants to convince myself to read that text <laughs> rather than what I'm going to read. Um, but actually, what I think I'm going to read is going to, be, going to be very good as well. Well, that's probably
1: good for people because I bet a lot of people read Beowulf in school and mm-hmm. either they didn't really read it or it was just over their heads or didn't have a good translation. I, so that's, that's probably I think Beowulf good for is people. so
0: important. And I think Beowulf is really, really important. From the standpoint, it, it's unfortunate. There's a lot of reinventions and postmodern takes on Beowulf. There was an absolutely terrible film that came out um, about Beowulf in the early 2000s. It was a, a computer, it was CGI, it was, oh, yeah, was, and they, they completely destroyed the story. But actually, the real story of Beowulf is incredibly noble and heroic, and I think it's the first Christian hero that we have emerge <clears throat> in that time. Of kind of that when, when Europe was was moving from being pagan to mm. to Christian and it's, Beowulf's an incredible character and Sh- Sh- Seamus Heaney really nails it and it's absolutely beautiful and and if you real, read Beowulf into you know, this the the way that he describes just the the scenery and the setting it's very rhythmic it's very musical so I would really really recommend that as well. Um, you can't go wrong. Here I have Tennyson's Selected Poems, Penguin Classics, something like that. Walt Whitman, uh, we have his Complete Poems, which is also another offer from Penguin, which if you go on Amazon.
1: Yes. Is that the one with the, like, naked Greek Yeah, my Greek kids think statues. this is really funny. Oh, my gosh.
0: Our boys think this. Yeah, there's, there's like, a naked um, – there's a guy and- – <laughs> I can see why an eight-year-old would think this is funny. Um, yeah, so there's so just, it's this a this book is very popular in our house joke in our house because there's naked so people in the um, uh, we got uh, Longfellow right here, some some of his poems. Edgar Allan Poe, yeah. he wrote a lot of good poems. His collection of poems. Um, so those are those are my my suggestions. But what I ended up uh, should no, I?
1: Yeah, well, do you are want you... to
0: tell tell your, no? no come back to this. What are
1: you going to read? Yeah.
0: So I've read a couple of Wendell Berry's novels, oh yes, right, but I've never read any of his his poems, and I'm a big big fan of of Wendell Berry, um, and his kind of take on place and um, nature Mm -hmm. and just what it means to be human. I think Wendell Berry has a very prophetic insight into a lot of things. So I'm going to read a small porch Sabbath poems 2014 2015 um uh, by by Wendell Berry So my Beth sister Kennedy.
1: gave us that book um either last year year before maybe for Christmas and I started reading a couple of them before I jumped yeah, into I a book that I'm still in But um that yeah I think you'll like them they I really was only a couple poems in but uh the, I think they were he wrote them all on his Sunday walks wow. so that's why it says Sabbath yeah so I think that there's a lot there I actually want to throw – that reminds me of a tip that I really wanted to throw out for everybody. Okay, so you're selecting a book of poetry, right, to read through for the month. So we are – everybody listening, I think the thought would be, oh, I need to finish this book this month. And this would be my advice with poetry, it's a different than a novel. it's different than I mean obviously we often want to challenge ourselves, but with poetry, you digest it slowly, don't you think? like oh, yeah. you don't rush through it's not like it's slow and steady, not this like it would make no
0: sense would, to, yeah to just get it done and and I think that's really important. when I was talking about Billy Collins, there was one poem in that book, um, Picnic Lightning. And it was it was talking about um, when you have good friends over, in the in the mess that's kind of left that you don't clean up. To the, the, the evening was so wonderful that all you know the bottles of wine are still out. And you just kind of yeah. go to sleep. And I read that poem over and over and over and over and over again. And it, I probably stayed on that poem for for a week. And that's how poetry is. It, it speaks to you. We have that that quote at the beginning of the podcast with our intro, it's not about how yeah. many books you get through, but how many books they get through you. Yes. And I really mean that. There's just no contest. This is this is not if you if you're reading poetry, poetry can have the ability to really do something to you that I think is incredibly formational and very, very deep. Yeah. Um, don't rush that.
1: Yeah. So my recommendation for you guys, pick a pick a book of poems, you know, pick pick a poet to be with for the month. And read a poem a day, you know, and then if you want to stay with that poem for a couple of days, stay with that poem for a couple of days. Um, but it doesn't need to be more um, over more than that, you know, it, a poem a day, you know, for a month, spending that time with a poet, that that's an amazing experience in and of itself. Yeah. So my, I would say rather than thinking of I need to get through a book this month. Just enjoy spending a month with the poet that you pick, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Um, so I wanted to make a couple suggestions of anthologies okay. that I think are great to have. Um, I think reading poetry as a family, with kids, with people of all ages in your family, is just the best practice. We do like a poetry tea time once a week. You don't have to do that. I mean, it's... We it's pretty something. cool, though. It's fun. We make. Yeah, if you tea. can find out
0: a way to kind of get that in the rhythm of your family life, I think it's it's very beneficial. We
1: eat something yummy. We drink tea. Sit around the table. We read a few poems. It's fifteen minutes, but it's just lovely, and everyone in our family loves it. They yeah, love, the
0: kids do like it. They love it. And we got three boys, so
1: boys um, love poetry. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so if you think otherwise, then we have a little girl, impressive.
0: but she, she's not reading any poems yet. She's one and a half, so she be into it soon.
1: So, you know, there are some great anthologies out there to have in your home that everyone in the home, there just is a great mix of po- of poems that I think people of all ages are going to love. One of my favorites that I grew up with and actually stole the copy from my parents when I was given free reign to go through their shelves. Well,
0: that's not stealing.
1: <laughs> but I snatched it before anyone okay. else can take it. Is... Um, Edited by Helen Ferris. It's called Favorite Poems, Old and New. And, of course, we'll link to all these in the show notes. It's got such – it's a big, thick book. Um, And it's got just everything from seasonal poems to uh, poems on different things, poems of nature, poems of, uh, you know, back to school. It's just got fantastic poets in it. And we – I know I have friends who also have this book. And it's just – it's a favorite I think most people just would recommend this one to have on your shelf. So favorite poems, old and new, highly recommend. If Robert Louis Stevenson is like maybe the greatest children's poet, but I mean, children's poetry is loved by all ages. And Robert Louis Stevenson is just, even the youngest ears will love hearing these poems. Tasha Tudor, illustrated
0: my all-time favorite name yeah
1: she's awesome she's a beautiful illustrator um so she illustrated a copy a collection of his poems it's called a child's garden of verses and this is a very popular one as well we love this one in our house it is so beautifully illustrated by her and it's just some of his it's a it's a lot of his poems and very well-known ones and um Favorites with our kids, especially the young kids. Some of them are very short that my little ones have memorized quite easily and love to hear over and over again. So that's just one to have on your shelf too. Another one by um, uh, beautifully illustrated is a child's book of poem, a child's book of poems. And um, I can't ever pronounce this Japanese artist. There's no way.
0: I'm looking at it right now.
1: You guys I are going to say- know.
0: Gio Fujikawa. Yes. Or Gio Fujikawa. I think Fujikawa's right.
1: I don't the think... Fr- I don't you don't think
0: that's right? Fujikawa? I feel well, like... Fuji I... is...
1: Yeah, I know. No, but they... I, I never... It, it looks right.
0: So the first name is G-Y-O. Yeah. And the last name is Fuji. We're going to link Kawa.
1: to it. Uh, he's a very famous illustrator. I just can never oh, say the, his the name The pictures correctly. are awesome. But I love the pictures. And this has... This is another... Just great collection of classics, of newer ones. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend this one on your shelf. Uh, again, I have I have a problem. I come home with more of these anthologies. Mike's like, just don't you think? Don't you think we have? I'm a,
0: very supportive of her. He is very supportive. <laughs> <of> book acquisitions.
1: <laughs> okay, and then the last anthology that I really would I would recommend having on your shelf is the classic hundred poems. All-time favorites, um, edited by William Harmon. And I love this one because it starts off with a number of um, Shakespeare's sonnets. But the structure of this book is fantastic for kind of giving you a little bit more insight into the poems and to the authors. So it'll have different, um, different poets in order throughout. But you'll read a, a poem by that poet, and then there's a little bit about that that poem underneath or about the poet above. So that's, it's a fantastic book. Um, again, you could just work your way through that, um, reading aloud, work your way through all of these reading aloud as a family. Um, some other ones, I want to mention a couple others that would either be good to read aloud or in your own personal, um, reading time. I'm a big advocate of a poem a day. So Mm -hmm. sometime in my day, I just – I have sort of a time set where I just – I read a poem. So I kind of am always having a book of poetry going, which I think is great. You know, you just slowly work through a book of poetry. So the one I'm actually in the middle of right now that I'm going to pause while we're on this book of poetry for this month is such a fantastic book by Joseph Pierce. Came out a couple years ago, compiled by him, Poems Every Catholic Should Know. And it is awesome. If you want – an introduction um, sort of like take to take a poetry course of just some of the most wonderful poems particularly spiritually um, one edifying. He, this, he has done a sort of a chronological one starting with who's the earliest one he has in here. He starts um, off with St. Hildegard of Bingen and in 1098 is like when she was born. So about that time, all the way to he himself um, has a couple, he's a poet in his own right in the back. So, and there's just, it's just filled with fantastic poets. Highly recommend owning that one. And then this year I discovered Malcolm Geit's poetry and I read through, he has these collections that are a poem a day for, well, this one's called The Word in the Wilderness, a poem a day for Lent and Easter. And then Waiting on the Word, A Poem a Day for Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. And I did the one, the Lent um, and Easter one this year. And mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Um, so I highly recommend these books. I am super excited to do this one, um, Waiting on the Word, for Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany um, this year. And then, goodness, I might go back to this for my poetry select that cool. other one for lent too so recommend all of those okay um
0: was that the one i see a book standing next to you that okay i haven't so, talked about
1: yes so i picked this up at some recent book sale the brontes selected poems um i'm sure most people are familiar with charlotte bronte emily bronte i'm not Charlotte wrote Jane Eyre.
0: Oh, okay. Famous novel. That's right. We yes. talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. So they're famous
1: 19th century English novelists. She wrote Jane Eyre. Her sister Emily wrote Weathering Heights. Both very famous. But their other sister, Anne, was also a novelist in her own right and wrote a couple of famous novels. I think Shirley, if I'm not confusing them, was written by her. Anyway, they also had a brother, though, and... Um, uh, let's see, the brother's name, Branwell was their brother's name. So all four of them wrote poetry, and very good poetry, apparently. Um, I'll read the back of this book. The Bronte sisters won immortality through their novels, but they and their brother Branwell were also outstanding poets in their own right. And so um, I'm kind of excited about this copy because she does a little introduction to kind of set sort of give you a biographical, um, setting for their poetry. Um, I think they all, I believe that they all died before their father. I think they all died. I think they all struggled with illnesses. Um, I don't really know. i find, I'm sure I'll find out in this biographical sketch. So I'm really interested to get a glimpse into their, a little bit more into their lives by reading their poetry here. So this is actually going to be a collection of siblings' poetry. Like that's interesting.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean that's kind of fascinating in and of itself. With that
0: family. And I mean, that many type of. Yeah.
1: And Jane Eyre is one of my favorite novels. It's I actually just recently read it um and again and it's wonderful. So I'm kind of excited about this one.
0: Well, very cool. I think we have some good picks. I'm doing Mundleberry A Small Porch and you're doing the
1: The Bronte's Selected Poems. The Bronte's poems. Selected
0: Poems. And we hope that Some of the options we gave you would would help, Um, but we also look forward to hearing, reading, or learning what you are reading this month. So keep up with us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, and we look forward to talking to you in a few weeks.
1: Yeah, use the hashtag, the Catholic Reading Challenge when you post. God bless. Bye-bye.